If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, looking at verses 5 through 25 this morning. Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. And if you do not have a Bible, you can grab, grab one of the pew Bibles there and turn to page 803. It's 803 in the pew Bible. Luke 1, 5 through 25, 803 in the pew Bible. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, then uh, I do invite you to take that pew Bible and just take it with you, and that's our gift to you today. We want everybody to have a copy of God's Word, so take it and use it for your, your blessing. Have you ever faced a situation in life and wondered, where is God? Have you ever wondered in times of crisis, especially in times of crisis, is God truly faithful is he always there as he says he's there? Does he truly never leave me or forsake me? I mean, is God truly faithful to his promises? You know, in life, everyone at one time or the other experiences some kind of doubt. Doubt about God. Doubt if he's really there as he says he's there. And in today's text, we see that even the most faithful of believers have moments of doubt, moments of faithlessness. Yet, as our text will show us, we can be assured that God is always faithful. God is always faithful. And in today's text, we're going to see three lessons about God's faithfulness that show us, that shows us that God is truly always faithful faithful so today we are, are starting our christmas series as we begin to look at the nativity story in luke's gospel and it starts with the foretelling of the the birth of john the baptist john was the forerunner of jesus so in the announcement of john's birth it was the announcement of the coming messiah he was the one who was to to go before the lord and pronounce his coming so john is very important to us and so we start with him today in luke 1 5 through 25 now if you found your place there in luke chapter 1 please stand with me in reverence to the reading of god's holy word luke chapter 1 starting in verse 5 in the days of herod king of judah of judea there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he, he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at, that, at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the side, on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been, has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, 
and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of, of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am old, an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And Lord, we pray that you would teach us from it this morning. Lord, show us your faithfulness. Reveal to us your faithfulness as you were faithful to Zechariah and to all of those who prayed for Messiah Lord, let us see your faithfulness to them and let us realize your faithfulness to us today as we follow you and, and strive to serve you. So Lord, bless our hearts today. Open our eyes, open our ears. Let us see and hear. Teach us, O oh Lord, I pray. In Christ's name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, as we, we look at our text this morning, the first lesson you see that you need to learn about God's faithfulness is this. God's faithfulness is not determined by your current situation or circumstance. Your, God's faithfulness is not determined by your current situation or circumstance. Consider Zechariah. Now, Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, these were godly people. These were good, godly folks. Notice what that first paragraph says there. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, uh, and her name was Elizabeth. Now, Zechariah, it notes his genealogy. It notes his pedigree, right? He is of the sons of Aaron. He is of the Aaronotic tribes now if you know your old testament you know aaron was the the brother of moses and he was the first high priest of israel so as god brought the israelites out of egypt brought them out of slavery and established them as a nation he established the 
the priestly line through Aaron. Aaron and his descendants were to be the priest of Israel. They were to, to go into the holy place and the holies of holies and, and minister unto the Lord, to be that mediator between God and the people of Israel. And so to be of the Aaronic line, I mean, you had a high pedigree. You are of the sons of Aaron, and Zechariah was of the sons of Aaron. And at this time, he's serving in the temple. He, he's doing his duty in the temple. Well, not only was he of the Aaronic clan, but uh, he was also married to a woman, Elizabeth, wa who was of the Aaronic uh, tribes as well. She was part of the, the clan of, of Aaron as well. And, and so if you think about that, now the, the, the priestly clan, those who were to be priests among Israel, it, it was required that they, at the very least, they marry someone who was also a Levite. But hey, if you could score a bride who was of the tribes of Aaron, bam, you were there, right? You were good, hot stuff. You were somebody, and, and Zechariah did that. Zechariah did that. Not only did he have a good Le Levitical woman, a good Levite woman, but he had someone who was of the tribes of Aaron. He was on top. He had a great pedigree, but not only did he have a good pedigree, right? Not only did he have a good name, but he was also a righteous man. It says he and Elizabeth both, they were righteous folks. They were good, godly folks. It doesn't mean that they were, you know, sinless perfection, right? They, they weren't sinless. They weren't perfect, but they, they lived according to God's word. They strived to live according to God's word, to follow God's ways and and when sin came apparent in their lives and they went to the temple, they made the proper sacrifices to, to seek atonement for those sins. And so they were righteous, right? They were good, godly people. We might think of them as someone who was born and raised in the church, right? They were born and raised in the church, raised up in the church, raised to be a godly folks. Uh, they, they married someone who was of the church, right? They, they've got it all together. They, they've always kind of been in Sunday school, and they've always tried to live according to God's will. They came to faith early in life. And so these are good, godly folks, and they're pursuing God. But notice what the text says there. But they had no child. There's, a, there's this big contrast apparent in this text. They were good, godly folks, but they had no child. Now, in first century, and, and you really see this all throughout the Old Testament especially, it was, it was almost scandalous to be without a child. I mean, that to them was kind of a way of saying that, that God was against you, right? That you have done something, there's sin in your life, you have offended God, and so God has cursed you by causing you to be barren, even though we see over and over again in the Old Testament stories like Abraham and Sarah and, and others in the Old Testament who were barren, yet God blessed them, right? Uh, Old, Old Testament scripture shows us over and over again that being barren has no, is no indication of God's favor or disfavor on your life, but yet this was the feel in society. That's why uh, Elizabeth says there at the end that he's removed my reproach, right? He's removed my, God's removed my reproach by giving me a child because in their culture, it was shameful to be barren. That was a mark of disgrace. 
And here's these good, godly folks who are in a situation and circumstance in which they are under reproach from all of the people around them. Even though they're good, godly folks, people look down at them because they have no child. I want you to know, dear friends, that God's promises are not determined, God's faithfulness is not determined by your situation and circumstance. Maybe you have something going on in your life. Maybe it feels like God is against you instead of being for you. Maybe you have some illness in your life, some sickness. Maybe you have a prodigal child. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you're struggling financially. I want you to know that your current situation and circumstance does not determine God's faithfulness in your life. Just because you're going through hard times does not mean that God is against you. It doesn't mean that God has turned his back on you. It doesn't mean that God has forgotten you. God's promises are faithful. God is faithful to all of his promises and he's faithful to his children. He is faithful to you. So don't allow your current situation and circumstances to cause you to doubt God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness is never determined by our current situation and circumstances. Second, God's faithfulness is not limited by time. God's faithfulness is not limited by time. We see this as we start to, to go through this next section, this next paragraph in our text, verses 8 through 17. I want you to notice here the, that uh, Zechariah's privilege. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter, uh, according, uh, enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Now, let me stop right there and kind of explain something that's going on here. Now, in the Old Testament, and if you're, you've been following along with our our reading, the Machain Bible reading that we've been doing. I read this this morning. Uh, this morning, our, our text came from 1 Chronicles chapter 24. In 1 Chronicles chapter 24, we see this whole system being set up by King David. King David, of course, at this point in time, from the time of Aaron and Moses all the way to the time of King David, the Aaron, Aaronotic tribes have, have grown, right? Uh, they've grown, they've expanded. There's a lot of the priestly line there in Israel. And so what did David do? David, he, he divided up all of Aaron's kinfolk, all of those who came from Aaron, all of the, uh, the priestly clan. He divided them up into 24 divisions. And he gave them set times to come into the temple and serve. So 24 divisions. And then each division would come in for one week, twice a year, and serve in the temple in addition to all of the feasts and festivals that would go would go on throughout the year so uh, think about the the day of pentecost or the day of of uh of uh, passover all of those feasts and festivals all of the priestly clan came in to serve because at that point you're slaughtering thousands of animals at one time and so they needed all the help they could get but throughout the year your clan whatever clan you're a member of if you're of the priestly clans when when it was your time for your clan to come up your division to come up you would serve for one week and that would be twice a year and so Zacharias time is now 
And he's there at the temple. He's going in and he is serving as a priest in the temple. Now, part of their service was to, to go in every morning and every evening, evening to offer up incense before the Lord in the holy place. So the temple there in, in Jerusalem, the temple, you had the outer court, and, and most of the, you know, the Israelites, the Israelite men would be able to come into the outer court outside the temple, but only those priests were able to go in the temple. So in the temple, there was the holy place, and then there was a curtain, and then there was the holy of holies. Now, only the high priest got to go in the, to the holy of holies, and he only got to do that once a year on the day of atonement. But Every day there would be a priest who went into the holy place, that first section there in the temple, and he would offer up incense unto the Lord, and this incense was to signify the prayers of Israel. So he would offer the incense there on the altar in the holy place, and when he offered this incense on the altar in the holy place, then he would bow down and he would give a prayer for Israel to the Lord. And so as he was praying, that incense was going up as a sweet aroma to the Lord, marking his prayer going up to the Lord. And so Zechariah got chosen. He got chosen. It says they, they cast lot. The lot fell on him. Now, for y'all who don't know, a lot was kind of like dice, and so they would roll dice and, and, and pick the person. So uh, we might think of it like this. This might be more... Uh, along our line you think about everybody putting in their name in the pot right and and they pulled out Zachariah's name oh it's your turn well this was a wonderful privilege for him this was a wonderful privilege for anybody to be able to go into the holy place and offer incense on the altar of incense in that holy place in fact it was such a privilege that if you ever got your name drawn your name never went back in the pot right that was your once in a lifetime opportunity and not everybody got to do that not all the priests got to do that but here Zechariah, by the providence of god of course it wasn't luck it was by god's providence his name was chosen the dice fell on him the lot fell on him and he got to go in so this is a wonderful privilege for Zechariah to go into the holy place and offer incense unto the lord now while he is in there there's an encounter Right, so Zechariah is in there. He's put the incense on the altar. I can imagine him kneeling down before the altar, saying his prayers unto the Lord. And as he is praying, he, he feels that presence, right? Have you ever been somewhere and you think you're all alone and then all of a sudden you're like, man, it feels like I'm not alone. And you turn around, oh, there's somebody right there beside you and you didn't, you didn't see him come in. You just felt them their presence i can imagine zachariah kind of feeling that way uh, maybe he, he was there and he was praying and and as he was praying he, he felt the presence about him like i'm not alone anymore and he looks up and there's an angel standing by the altar of the lord and you imagine the shock that he felt in that moment i mean nobody else was supposed to be in there anyway and now he looks and there's this magnificent creature standing beside him there at the altar of the lord with him he was in shock. He was in awe. I mean, this is not like an, another man. This is an angel. And any time in Scripture that you see an angel making an appearance, 
No one mistakes them for a, another human being, right? There's this majesticness about them that is apparent in their appearance. And he sees this angel and he's absolutely startled by his presence there. And what does the angel say? Fear not, Zechariah, for your prayer has been answered. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. I'm here to bless you, not to harm you. I'm here for your good, not for your bad. I, I want to bless you, and a, a blessing is coming to you. God has heard your prayers. Now, what's this prayer that God has answered? Well, one, it is the prayer for a child. Now, this, is a, this was an old prayer. Uh, this was a prayer that Zachariah and Elizabeth prayed their, during their, their younger years as, as young adults. Uh, even probably up through their, their 20s, 30s, 40s, and probably even their 50s, they, they were praying, Lord, give us a child, Lord, give us a child, Lord, give us a child. But at this point in their time, they've quit praying their, that prayer. They're in their, their 70s or 80s probably at this point. They're, they're old, right? They're, they're beyond the age of, of childbearing. That, that's past. Because Zechariah says, how can this be? I'm I'm old. I'm old, I'm burned up, and my wife, she's, a, she's on up in age too. We can't have kids. And so they've long since quit praying this prayer. But, but the angel says, your prayer has been answered. And, and what does he say right after that? The prayer, your prayer has been answered. And he says, and you, uh, let's see. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. This is verse 13. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been answered. Uh, heard and your wife elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name john so one of the prayers that is being answered is the prayer for a child for a son who would come take away their reproach who would continue on their family name who would help support them and, and when they were unable to support themselves here is the blessing of a son so Part of that prayer is that prayer long forgotten, that they long since quit praying, but God says, I'm here to answer your prayer. But there's another prayer that I think that is in view here as well. It's the prayer that Zechariah was praying when he was in there offering up this incense unto the Lord because as he was in his priestly office offering up this prayer unto the Lord, he wasn't praying for himself. He was praying for the people of Israel. And it was often, it was common for the, the priest who would go in in the morning and in the evening as they would offer up this prayer to God for Israel, they would pray, Lord, send your Messiah. Send your promised seed, the seed of Abraham through whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Send your promised seed, the seed of David, who would establish your kingdom on earth, who would defeat all of our enemies and establish your throne here on earth for in eternity send your promised messiah and so zachariah was in there offering up incense lord god send your messiah send your deliverer to deliver your people and the angel says your prayer has been answered your prayer for israel has been answered and we see that as he goes on to explain look at verse 14 and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Many, not just you and Elizabeth, 
not just you, you, your friends and family, but many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. Uh, that's because he's consecrated from, from birth. He's consecrated, he's separated for work unto the Lord. That's what that means. Not, no, no, he shall not drink, must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be fulfilled, he will be filled, excuse me, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And watch this, notice this verse, verse 17. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. He will go before who? Him, the Lord their God. He will go before the Lord their God in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom uh, of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared now verse 17 we don't see this if you're not familiar with the old testament maybe you, you don't see this but but this is a reference to malachi a prophecy that the prophet malachi gave now malachi was the last prophet in israel he was the last writing prophet in israel so it's been 400 years malachi wrote and there was 400 years of nothing from God. Malachi was a prophet. He spoke for the Lord. He called people unto repentance. And then God shut his mouth. God was quiet. But what were the last words from the Lord? Malachi, this is two verses in Malachi. First, Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. We see this first of all. Behold... I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. So the Lord, when he comes, I'm going to send the, uh, the prophet Elijah, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a with a decree of utter destruction so what did the angel tell tell uh, uh zachariah he will go before him in the spirit and power of elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children so here is the prophecy of malachi being fulfilled zachariah's son will be the the prophet of elijah who was to come second Malachi chapter 3 verse 1 behold I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight behold he is coming says the Lord of hosts so the angel Gabriel is telling Zechariah your prayer of salvation has come your son is part of that. He is going to be the messenger who goes before the Lord his God to pronounce his, his coming, to, to herald the coming of the Lord. He is coming. He is coming. Messiah is coming. 
The Lord is coming. He will appear in his temple. The Lord our God will come in flesh and blood and he will appear in his temple. John would be that forebearer. He would be the one who would pave the way, who would prepare the way for the Lord's coming. And so the angel says, your prayer has been answered. God's sending his Savior. He's sending his Messiah. And your son is part of his coming. You're part of that fulfillment, Zechariah. You and Elizabeth, you're all part of God's promise coming to fulfillment. You see, I want you to see here, notice this, that God is faithful to keep his promises. And it's not determined, it's not limited by any span of time. It's not limited by time. Zechariah and Elizabeth are old and, and past the childbearing age. Nevertheless, God said, I'm giving you a child. I'm giving you a son. I'm giving you a son. Not only that, this promise that God had made to Israel 400 years earlier, even though God had been silent for 400 years, yet God says, here I come. I've come to fulfill my promise. You see, time doesn't determine God's promises. God's faithfulness is not limited by a span of time. Now, this is the way it often happens, isn't it? God doesn't always work on our timeline. We, we pray for something, we look for something, and he don't always go by our timeline. But he doesn't have to. He's God. He's got his timeline, and his timeline is perfect. God may not answer your prayers the way you think he ought to answer them. He may not answer your prayers in the time you think he ought to answer them. But that is no, uh, that, that doesn't determine God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness is not limited to time. God is on his own time. And his time is perfect. So though God's, God's timing isn't always your timing... Nevertheless, you can trust in God's faithfulness. God is always faithful to his promises. God is no indicator of time. God is faithful. Uh, God's faithfulness is not determined by your situation and circumstances. God's faithfulness is not limited by time. And number three here, God's faithfulness is not deterred by your doubt god's faithfulness is not deterred by your doubt your doubt does not limit or negate god's promises god is con continues to be faithful notice what how our text goes on there and zechariah said to the angel after the angel told him all of this zechariah said to the angel how shall i know this for I am old, an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. How shall I know this? In other words, he's, he's doubting. How can this be? This, this is impossible. This can't happen. I'm too old to have kids. My wife is too old to have kids. This can't happen. How am I to know this? Well, let's talk about Zachariah's knowledge for a minute. Let's think about Zachariah's knowledge. Now, in first century Israel, a child's education began at age six. At age six, they start going to the school in the synagogue, 
And they begin to attend school in the synagogue where they learn the basics to read and to write. Now, what do you think their textbook is? Right? It, it is the Bible. It is the Torah, the first five books of the Bible specifically. So they begin with the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They learn to read and write learning to read and write the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. Now, part of that education was not just to learn to read it and to write it, but to memorize it. Yes, every Jewish child, from the time he, turned, he or she turned six years old until they turned 12 years old, they memorized the first five books of the Bible. You struggle with a, a verse a week. They memorized the whole first five books of the Bible before they were 12 years old. My goodness. Zechariah, you remember, now he's part of the priestly clan. And so most likely Zechariah being a part of the priestly plan, uh, clan, he didn't just probably didn't stop at that first level of education. Most likely, he stepped into that next level of education that took place between the age 12 and uh, around about the age of, of, of 20 or so, where he got to memorize the rest of the Old Testament. And so Zechariah, he knew a lot. He certainly knew the sto story back there in Genesis about Abraham and Sarah. And how Abraham, when Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was in her 90s, God blessed them with Isaac. So Zechariah knew God could. Isn't that kind of the way we are sometimes? I mean, we read the Bible and we say, oh man, look what God did for them. But he would never do that for me. He, he, he did great things in the Old Testament. He did great things in the New Testament. But, you know, he doesn't really operate like that anymore. He can't do that for me. He can't bless me that way. He won't do that. That's kind of what Zechariah is saying. Yeah, I know God did it for Abraham and Sarah, but I'm Zechariah, and this is my wife, Elizabeth. We're, we're nobody. We're nobody. God's not going to do that for us. He's not going to bless us that way. You see, he, ha he, he knows the Scripture. He knows God's promises. He knows God's faithfulness to His promises. Yet, in this moment, when God sent this angel to say, I'm answering your prayer, Zechariah has doubt. He doubts God's goodness. He doubts God's faithfulness. He doubts God. And God's ability to bless him and his wife, even in their old age. Now notice, Zechariah does get punished, right? There, there's some chastisement, there's some discipline going on here that takes place. And the angel answered him, verse 19, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God. Not many angels stand in the presence of God. I think there's only five of them that stand in the presence of God 
that we see find in scripture and gabriel's one of them he says i'm gabriel i'm one of god's men right i'm one of the angels i stand in the presence of the lord day in and day out i am gabriel i was I was stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Even though I stand in the presence of God, God sent this was such an important mission that he sent me from his presence to come give this good news to you. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to, to his home. So Zechariah... He gets disciplined. He has doubt, and he gets disciplined, right? God takes away his, his tongue, his ability to speak. Now think about the, the punishment that's going on here. I mean, have you ever had something really good happen to you? What do you want to do when something really good happens to you, when the Lord blesses you and in such a magnificent way? What do you want to do? You want to go tell everybody about it. Man, look what God has done. Woo! Praise God! I mean, you want to tell somebody when something good happens to you. But Zachariah couldn't. He was silent. He couldn't say a word. In fact, you know, when the priests came out after offering incense, they were supposed to give the uh, Aaronic prayer over, say the Aaronic prayer over the the people who were waiting there on the steps praying while they were in there right he was supposed to say this blessing over them but he comes out and he nothing right he, he moved his lips but nothing came out he was silent and for over nine months right he finished out his service and then he went home and then elizabeth conceived so uh, there, there possibly could have been uh, you know almost a year span of time here 10 10 to 12 months time here that that he couldn't say a word he had this magnificent vision he saw the angel of the lord right there giving him this good news this was happening the salvation of god is coming yet he could say nothing not a word so god chastises him he disciplines his doubt but that doesn't mean that God took away the promise. What does the angel say there? Behold, you will not speak. You, you, um, and behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Right? His doubt didn't negate the promise. His doubt didn't negate God's faithfulness. God is, continues to be faithful. And, and even when we see there, the next paragraph, there at the end, after these things, verse 24, after these things, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, thus 
the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. God's promises came, was fulfilled. Right? Zachariah's doubt did nothing to, to, to take away from, to negate God's promises. God's promises came, came true. God was faithful to, to keep his promise. Let me, let me tell you, you may have doubts, right? And, and this is something I've learned over the years. If anybody says, I've never had doubts, right? I've never had doubts in all of my, my Christian life. I've never had doubts. That means either one of two things. Either that's a very, very young Christian or they're lying. Because everybody's had moments of doubt. Everybody has had that moment of doubt where you wonder, is God really hearing my prayers? Does God truly never leave me or forsake me? Because I'm feeling alone right now. Does he really fulfill all of his promises? His word says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened to you. But I don't know about that because I'm asking, 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 and it seems like God's silent. All Christians at one time or other in their life, you're going to have doubt. That's just part about being a Christian, about being human, right? We have doubts because we don't see it with our eyes. We don't feel it with our hands. We have those moments of doubt where we doubt God's goodness doubt his his care for us doubt that he will fulfill all of the promises that he says we'll have those moments of doubt but i want you to see here and understand your doubt your moment of doubt whether it's a moment just an instant and, and you're over it or, or whether it's a, a few weeks long or, or whatever your doubt will never ever negate god's faithfulness God is always faithful to fulfill his promises. If you ask, you will receive. It may not be in your time span. It may not be the way you wanted it, but it will be for your good and for God's glory. If you ask as a child of God, you will receive. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, that door will be open to you according to God's promise according to God's will, according to God's good pleasure. God is faithful to keep all of his promises, dear friend. So if you had that moment of doubt, repent. Repent from that doubt. And yeah, God may discipline you. He may chastise you for your doubt. But your doubt will never negate God's faithfulness. It will never negate God's faithfulness. It will never, ever do anything to hinder God from keeping his promises. God is always faithful. God is always faithful. You know, the Marine Corps motto is Semper Fidelis. Always faithful. Always faithful to God, country, and core. I learned that early in my Marine Corps career. Uh, God is always, or uh, always be faithful to God, country, and core. You know, Semper Fidelis is God's motto too. Even more so. God is always faithful 
to keep his promises. God's greatest promise, of course, was his promised seed. The seed of Abraham through whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed. The seed of David who would come and conquer the enemies of God and the enemies of God's people and establish God's kingdom as an eternal kingdom. That promise was fulfilled in Jesus Christ who John pronounced. John announced his coming and he came and he fulfilled God's promises by dying on the cross for our sins and our shame and our place. Jesus Christ defeated our enemies and he provided a way for us Gentiles to become children of the Lord our God. We are part of Israel now because of Jesus Christ. Through Jesus, we are blessed to be called children of God. And one day, Christ will return. And he will establish God's eternal kingdom right here on earth. God is faithful to keep his promises. You can bet on that. You can bank on that. So trust God to keep his promises. God is always faithful. And we see his promises unfolding right before our eyes as we enter into this time of, of Christmas, as we celebrate the first coming of Jesus Christ. And even as we celebrate the first coming of Jesus Christ, we look forward to his second coming when he will come and establish God's kingdom here on earth and make all things new. Oh, you can trust God's promises. Now, maybe you're here today and you've never trusted God. You've never surrendered to him. I want you to know that God is faithful to his promises. He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross even for you to take away your sin and your shame if you will only believe in him. If you'll surrender your life to Jesus Christ, Christ is for you. His salvation is for you. Will you trust in him today? Will you surrender your life to him? As we begin to enter into this time of invitation, if you've never trusted in Christ, and I want to invite you today to trust in him, surrender your life to Jesus, and all of God's promises will be for you. And you can look to their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you've, you've had your doubts. Maybe you're in a season of doubt yourself. You're going through a time of crisis time of sorrow and maybe you're wondering where's God maybe today you just need to repent of that and just tell God God I trust you I know you're faithful and I trust you that I want to invite you in our time of invitation to come down and to do that even today whatever it is we can trust God's faithfulness because God is always faithful Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. 
even as you demonstrated that to Zechariah and Elizabeth, Lord. Lord, we've seen your fulfillment as John came and even more as Christ came after him. As Christ fulfilled your promise of the Old Testament, the promise of that seed who would come. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. When the world is falling apart around us, when leaders lie to us and, and mislead us, Lord, we can bank on your faithfulness. You are always faithful. And we're thankful for your faithfulness today, Lord. Lord, forgive us in our seasons of doubt. Forgive us when we, we doubt your faithfulness. And Lord, help us to grow even more in our faith toward you every day. And Lord God, if there's any today who've never trusted in you, never trusted in your faithfulness, never trusted in your promise of salvation through Jesus, and certainly, Lord, today I pray that you would turn their hearts to Christ today. The evidence of your fulfillment is in Scripture. Let them see that. And let them turn to Christ. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.